This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome back in to the Lions 24-7 podcast. I am Tyler Donahue. In a couple moments, we'll hear from our colleague Daniel Gallen who in just the last few days has been out in Bloomington, Indiana for the Penn State football win over the Hoosiers, came back for uh, tip-off of the basketball season at the BJC on Monday night. And this will be his third pod- podcast appearance in that span, which really appreciative of him and Tyler Calvaruso, who will be on with us a little bit later here to talk about the early signing day for Penn State basketball, talk about some stock report on Penn State football recruiting. And we'll give a little bit of a look ahead to the Maryland matchup this week as well. Some players to know on the Terps end, also some recruiting implications as the uh, Nitty Lions and some prospects return to Beaver Stadium. Uh, personally here at Happy Valley headquarters uh, for Lions 24-7 podcast, the one-year-old has been home from daycare all week, which always makes for an interesting set of circumstances. So we were able to find some, st- some time, squeeze in a podcast recording here on a Wednesday morning. So apologies that we didn't get to you right after that James Franklin press conference on Tuesday afternoon, like we typically try to do, but we got a lot to catch up on. Daniel Gallon is a great guy to do that with. As I said, we'll talk recruiting a little bit later here in the show, but Daniel, the the biggest story coming out of the press conference with James Franklin on Tuesday afternoon, aside from the fact that Sean Clifford wasn't asked about, (laughs) which is a big deal these, these days, was that the injuries are mounting up for the Nittany Lions. We have both sides of the ball to discuss, but it's unavoidable right now. The offensive line, you wrote about it coming out of the matchup, performed very well for themselves. Tip of the cap to Phil Troutwine for what they did, managing a a difficult scenario that played out, missing some key elements, missing your your left tackle, having to play a true freshman there. That's all well and good, but what will they be able to do next week and the week after that, and who will they have with them? And right now we know Landon Tengwall no longer part of that equation. Definitely. I mean, that's a very major blow for the Penn State offensive line. Um, I thought Tang Wall had played pretty consistently um, over the course of the season, and we saw him rotating early in the year. But in that Northwestern game, he got the full complement of snaps. Um, It looked like that was going to be kind of his job, uh, even with Hunter Norzad getting some time there. Um, But I think a very, very tough injury. Um, Definitely the circumstances when it comes in pregame at Michigan. Um, and anytime you lose that kind of talent along the offensive line, um, it, it's tough. So uh, no Tangwall. I think that, you know, we've seen what Norzad can do. Um, and I think that depending on what happens, because there's so many moving pieces here, depending what happens with Salim Wormley at right guard, um, I think Hunter Norzad should be able to hold down left guard um, pretty well. And if Norzad has to play right guard, we saw some really good things from J.B. Nelson. Um, on Saturday at Indiana. Obviously, everything has come with the the asterisk of playing Indiana um, in that kind of game. But I think you look at the interior, Juice Scruggs has really held it down uh, and probably deserves a a shout out for getting to this point in the season healthy. Um, But those two guard spots around him are going to be really interesting to monitor. And then going out from there, uh, there, there's even more questions. 
Yeah, Olu Fashionu described as week to week by James Franklin. And if you followed Penn State football during the Franklin era, you follow our coverage, you know that we're not going to get week to week details on players. It's pretty much going to be this guy. We're hopeful that he'll play or we're monitoring the situation. And then we have to see what we get on Wednesday at practice, which we'll get a little bit later. And we'll be watching that offensive line. Or James Franklin will say, this guy is done for the season. That was the case with Landon Tangwall uh, post-surgery. Just going back to Tangwall real quick, uh, certainly feel for the young man because he hasn't gotten a chance to play a ton of football. He came onto the scene so early, you know, before his freshman season. Tyler Bowen, back then on the Maryland coaching staff, has an offer after the kid. He ends up being the first class of 2021 offensive lineman to pick up a scholarship offer from Penn State in that cycle just blows through three years of high school as a high level talent, top 50 level kind of prospect. And then like everybody, everything comes to a screeching halt for him his senior year in 2020 with the pandemic, uh, his school ultimately does not rev back up football. So he loses out on that opportunity for a senior season comes to campus last year as a guy that a lot of us labeled as a potential early impact offensive lineman. That's not something you usually label any offensive lineman coming to campus as a freshman, but with early enrollment, thought maybe that could be the case. That we don't see him, Daniel, until week 11 last year. He did get some action, got some really important work in the postseason and in the Outback Bowl, won the starting job coming into this season, and was the guy in that first team setup for five weeks, although only once against Northwestern did he completely have command of that position. Aside from that, it was Hunter Norzad. One game, it was J.B. Nelson working his way through. And you've got to wonder, with Hunter Norzad letting us all know on Tuesday that he'll be sticking around in 2023 with his 6.30 a.m. tweet, which we appreciate getting that news out of the way now. And you know anything we can get off the plate for Christmas morning with postseason announcements is great for us. So Hunter Norzad nips that in the butt, lets us know that he'll be around. you got to wonder if he's the guy the rest of the way through. And I think so far, Penn State staff, been very impressed with what they've gotten out of him. It's this has been a situation where uh, it feels like they got a hit out of the Ivy League, and it's somebody that they can count on uh, for another twenty plus games of of his college career. And if he carries that forward, what kind of a situation is Tangwall coming back to when they get the pads back on in the spring? We've talked a lot about the the interior depth that has been growing, uh, and, and a lot of that is is youthful components. And and now you wonder. Uh, it, it's going to be a, a really a, another obstacle for Landon Tangwall in his career to come back from this and not just come back healthy, but come back and find a way to, to rise back up to that starting role. Penn State's not going to hand that to anybody. And I think we're looking at a situation because of who they have kind of cultivated and and, and Venga Ioane uh, y- coming in and playing really strongly and, and Salim Wormley uh, rising up to the task of being a starter and the possibility that Drew Scruggs comes back. I guess the one caveat here is if Drew Scruggs does not come back, Hunter Norzad could be a nifty little fit for the center position where we've seen him work. So that's another wrinkle. And end of the day, Norzad news is great for Penn State. The Tangwall news is not so good, but I didn't want to quite gloss over the loss of Landon Tangwall without acknowledging what he's been through a little bit and really how he got to campus. This guy uh, is as highly regarded from a technical standpoint as you would really heard of. And now Drew Shelton maybe takes that mantle. Uh, but but I think you lost some ability with him because of the lack of late senior reps, because of the lack of game reps last year where he was knocking off some rust last year. And unfortunately, right when he felt like it was accomplishing that task, he's going to have to do it all over again in 2023. And when you game things out on the interior of the offensive line, don't forget about Alex Birchmeyer, who's set Mm -hmm. to come in, one of the nation's top guards. Javen Williams is another guy who we've heard could be an interior guy, could be an exterior guy. Um, So there's going to be – it's going to be interesting. Five-star territory guy. I mean, both those guys are five-star territory guys. So you're right. It's a great point that you make. Yeah, and 
you know, we can we can save the redshirt conversation about about those guys for when they actually right. get to campus. But Phil Troutline has is going to have a lot of pieces to play with. Um, I think that you look at how Penn State hasn't been scared to rotate guys. They haven't been, you know, if someone's deserving, they're going to play, uh, which I think is a is a good message to send. Um, but the interior, you know, beyond these next four games, including the bowl game, uh, it's going to be a really interesting uh, scenario to watch. Um, but I think that, you know, for the the near term, um, I think that you just need guys like Hunter Norzad and Salim Wormley to, to get through games healthy. Um, both of them got banged up uh, against Indiana. Norzad, you know, went out, came back, finished that game out. Um, because, I mean, after J.B. Nelson, you have Vanga Ioane. Uh, James Franklin said that they're preparing him uh, in case he has to play, but he wants to preserve the red shirt there. Uh, he wants to let Ioane continue to develop. Um, but there is a good chance that when you look at how things have gone along this this offensive line, that we could see two true freshmen uh, out there from this class of 2022 uh, on the offensive line with Drew Shelton, with Vanga, uh, depending on how things go. And uh, it's a little little unexpected from from where we thought we'd be. But the guard spots, I think that the bodies there are, I think that you can get, you know, a little bit above replacement level play uh, based on what we saw from J.B. Nelson, um, you know, what we've seen from Norzad Wormley and what we've heard about Ioane. Um, but it will be interesting to see what happens at both tackle spots. Um, you know, I kind of interpret that it's unlikely that we'll see Olu Fashionu uh, this week, that getting that week to week designation as opposed to, well, we'll see on Saturday or we're ho- hopeful. Um, I don't, that didn't seem like the most, I guess, encouraging way for James Franklin to phrase it. Um, but he did say they're hopeful that Caden Wallace will be back. Um, so that could free up Bryce Effner. Um, you know, that's just another body there. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, in a couple hours, we'll be out there on the practice field and you know, hopefully we'll come away from that with a little bit better idea of what we're looking at. Whatever we do come away from the practice field with, we'll share it with our VIP subscribers at lines247.com as we always do on Wednesday afternoon. So keep an eye out for that. Um, but I mean, speaking of the offensive line, you just went through it. Caden Wallace, this seems like there's some optimism there. Hasn't played the last couple of weeks, exited late against Minnesota. If he returns, there's a couple of questions in play there. One, do you trust him enough and his health enough to give him the full run at right tackle for the course of this matchup against Maryland, freeing you up to use Bryce Effner elsewhere? And if you choose to free up Bryce Effner elsewhere, is that mean he's your starting left tackle and you're pulling back the reins a bit? on Drew Shelton and trying to preserve the, another game, I would imagine for a bowl matchup. We've talked about it a lot with Olu. Now we're talking about it with the medical stuff, but opt-outs are a real thing. If this guy's being projected as a top 20 picker in that kind of realm, you've got to wonder, especially if there's kind of a, a medical uh, issue in play with Olu Fashionu. So with that stated, you'd really love to be able to balance that if you want to. As James Franklin keeps saying, they want to preserve red shirts, but they, they want to go one and know this week. Do you go Efner at left tackle, try to go uh, Caden Wallace all the way at right tackle, and then try to keep Drew Shelton on the sideline for these next few weeks and, and, and survive and get your way to a bowl game, and then you open it up for him to practice for a month, maybe be your starter. I think that that, that scenario is less likely. I think you just see a guy who is ready to help you go 1-0, and I don't think they have the tackle depth to support 
to support not utilizing him. So my gut is we see Drew Shelton play a pretty prominent role here in the month of November if Olu Fashionu is not able to go. Uh, I think that's the more likely scenario than them trying to cobble it together with the two veterans and Efner and Wallace. And I think it's a big ask of Wallace, a guy who hasn't played a ton of football over the course of the last month or so. And that's rotating with Efner and that's with being sidelined. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that uh, depending on Caden Wallace's health, I mean, even if he's good to go, I think that you still go with Drew Shelton um, at left tackle and just start him from the jump because we saw Caden Wallace and Bryce Efner rotating uh, earlier this year. Um, and if something does happen to Caden Wallace, uh, if he's coming back um, and gets banged up again uh, and, and needs to go out, um, then you're just plugging in one spot. You're not switching out two spots where, you know, in moving a left tackle to right tackle and putting a new left tackle in. Um, I think that that's probably the gives you the most stability um, at those two tackle spots and approaching it, especially when you don't know what's going to happen along the interior uh, either with, with the health there. So I do think that we'll see Drew Shelton again. I think that, you know, James Franklin wants to go one and know this week. Uh, the New Year's six is still on the table uh, for getting a, a prominent bull bid. And I think that you need to do what you can to get to 10 wins this year. Um, I think that that's what's best for the program overall. Um, and like you guys say, if Drew Shelton is good enough that, you know, he, he'll only be here for three or four years, he won't be here for, for a fifth year, um, then, then you can roll with it. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what that looks like. Um, it is interesting to kind of talk about, we're going eight, nine, 10 deep now, um, on the offensive line, but the, the level of concern that we have after, after last week and what Drew Shelton showed, what JB Nelson showed, uh, it, I think it's dire from a numbers perspective, but what we've actually seen, um, I think that you can go into this with a little bit of, of confidence. Uh, there's a little less uncertainty. Um, I think that if we're going into this, not having seen Drew Shelton, not having seen JB Nelson. Um, so we'll, we'll see though. It's hit. There are really so many moving pieces here. Um, and on top of this, James Franklin also dropped the little nugget that uh, JB Nelson is also working at left tackle. Um, which is something that Phil Troutwine told me in August that they viewed JB Nelson as a left side guy where he could play left guard and left tackle as opposed to someone who was exclusively an interior guy or exclusively a, a tackle. So you know, we could see we could see maybe seven different guys playing seven different positions <laughs> except for Juice Scruggs this weekend. And, and a quick reminder that J.B. Nelson was the number one overall offensive tackle prospect and a four-star prospect at that um, in the 2022 JUCO class in 24-7 sports evaluation. So uh, this is a guy who's been viewed as, as a versatile component of an offensive line, it, it, and it's good to hear that. It's, we always appreciate those nuggets also coming to light this stage of the season. You're trying to piece things together. Uh, and, and just quickly going back to J.B. Nelson, because I'm not sure people realize how much he played last Saturday. He went 70-plus snaps, Daniel. Uh, he came in early. He came in often. Salim Wormley, Hunter Norzad. I think it's pretty obvious who James Franklin was referencing when he talked in his Tuesday press conference about really wanting to, to shine some spotlight, give some praise to guys who are gutting it out, playing through some through some things that hurting through the through, hurting through things. And and I think it's obvious that he's probably referencing a couple guards there. Um, but JB Nelson stepping up. We hadn't really seen him get much run going back to that Central Michigan matchup where he was kind of working in with Landon Tangwall. Uh, there was no Norzad at that, at that point. And you remember, Hunter Norzad was out of the equation for a couple of weeks. So 
again, this is a level of depth for this offensive line, particularly the interior that we just have not seen Penn State be able to exhibit uh, and be able to survive. And so far they have weathered the storm. They've got another matchup here against uh, Maryland that, that I think they'll have to do that once more. Um, but we're learning a lot about Phil Troutwine's group week by week, and, and certainly the steps have been forward progress. On the other side of the football, uh, the position of concern with the injuries, at least, is linebacker Daniel. And, and, and we'll talk about in a moment why that matters against Maryland. Uh, but right now you're looking at a couple guys who have, have consumed a ton of reps in Tyler Elsden and Curtis Jacobs under the microscope. And a couple guys we'll be watching for on the practice field Wednesday. James Franklin got the old two-part question uh, yesterday went with a, a lead-in about Kobe King and a, a follow-up about uh, the health of Tyler Elsden and, and Curtis Jacobs. And like a pro, when you give James Franklin the two-part question, he'll answer the one part that he wants to. Uh, so we did not get an update on Elsden or Jacobs out of that. But I think linebacker was the position, another position coming into the year where you didn't really know what you had in terms of the depth. I mean, you sent three linebackers to the NFL last year uh, in Brandon Smith, Ellis Brooks, Jesse Lucetta. And even then, the, behind them, it was not that deep. I think Penn State was really fortunate last year that all three of those guys really made it through the year uh, healthy. And the only hiccups were was the Ellis Brooks targeting uh, early in the year. So I think they've done a good job of, of building out that depth a little bit more. Um, Abdul Carter certainly helps uh, when you can add that kind of talent. Uh, to that second level. But I think Kobe King is really going to be someone to watch. We saw him have a really good game against Indiana. James Franklin had some good things to say about him on Tuesday. Um, but you look at the Sam, and I think that that's going to be the the biggest concern um, in this game. Uh, Jonathan Sutherland is probably in line for um, a lot of reps there uh, with Dom DeLuca. Um, in terms of you know losing Curtis Jacobs at that spot. Um, I think that you have to be a little bit worried there. Um, and then I think when you look a little bit further into the depth, uh, we could see a little bit more Charlie Catcher um, at the will. Mm. Um, but after that, you know you, you kind of always you wonder who's the next man up? Where can you go from there? Linebacker is such a physical position as guys like Tyler Elsden and Curtis Jacobs and Abdul Carter have, have shown this year. Um, so that'll be a position to monitor uh, tonight at practice um, because you know, if you lose one of Carter, King, Sutherland's, uh, and, or even DeLuca, um, you're, you're looking at a really tough situation at the second level. I know some people out there might be wondering what's going on with Keon Wiley, the freshman from Philadelphia. He's a guy we've seen really strictly in a scout team role over the course of this season, uh, typically playing the, the role of the opposing team's most productive linebacker. Um, so, so he's kind of lurking, waiting in the wings, uh, but not a guy that we anticipate uh, is going to be called upon right now if they, if they are down at linebacker. You mentioned Jonathan Sutherland, DeLuca. Uh, I'm curious how the staff manages those two guys down the stretch here. Um, DeLuca, I feel like, ha has made himself uh, you know, a long-term component defensively, being a year-two guy. I'm not saying he's going to be a starter. I think you, you want to continue to, to over-recruit at that position, out-recruit Adam DeLuca, but he's going to be a piece. Um, I think he's going to continue to get run here. But Kobe King is the one name that I view as having the, the biggest opportunity here. Now, Tyler Elson uh, was your starter through the first nine games. 
I mentioned this on uh, last week on the podcast, not tremendously productive from a tackles perspective. I think it was fewer than five tackles in four or five consecutive games for Tyler Elston as the schedule started to crank up. I'd like to see more production out of that middle linebacker spot. But with Kobe King, uh, a guy who hadn't surpassed 30 snaps all season, he goes for almost 50 against Indiana. So you want to see what he makes of it. It's an opponent that's obviously working with a second, third, fourth string quarterback. But I thought he did a really nice job in showing some of his playmaking ability. He had two and a half tackles for loss. Uh, he led the team with eight tackles. Uh, and quite frankly, he's someone that I'm going to be watching a bit more here if he gets more go. Because that middle linebacker position, it never has felt like Tyler Elsden is running away with it for the rest of his career. This is a positional competition uh, that I feel like we're going to carry with us beyond the 2022 season, even if Tyler Elsden was the starter for 12 or 13 games. Certainly. And, and if you project it out even further, there's been talk of Abdul Carter potentially being a future Absolutely. Mike linebacker yeah. Uh, yeah. in this defense. So I think when you look at the long term, you really do need to add bodies there. Um, you know, we haven't seen much of Jamari Budden uh, in year two. Um, and you look and it's just kind of a, it's a bunch of walk ons uh, after after this group that's here. Sometimes you hit on someone like DeLuca, but that's typically the the exception. Um, but I think it does come back to Kobe King this week at that Mike linebacker spot. Um, he showed that he could play well horizontally against Indiana, which I felt like was kind of the, the question for both him and Elsden um, coming into this year. But you know, Maryland has done a good job running the ball this year. They have one of the more productive young running backs um, in the Big Ten. So it's, I think that you, know, you, you hear a lot about Talia Tungavailoa over Kim Jarrett, Dante Demas, Jacob Copeland. Um, but I think when you look at, at that front seven, um, I think they could be in for uh, you know, a pretty interesting task uh, this week uh, against the Terps. Let's use that as a pivot point here and, and, and kind of get to the next portion of this segment with you, Daniel. You've got your list of Maryland players to watch out at lines247.com. It's always a good dive into what the opposing team is bringing to the field and the guys you've got to keep tabs on on both sides of the ball. I think there's a lot of people gravitating toward the Maryland passing game here, although they didn't reach 100 passing yards in their <laughs> most recent performance. But this has kind of been the staple, and we've seen them put up some explosive numbers against this Penn State team in the past, also some turnovers from their quarterback. But I know you wanted to actually start this conversation elsewhere in the offensive backfield. Yeah, I mean, you have to start with, with Roman Hemby. Uh, he's got 747 yards this year. He's averaging 6.2 yards per carry. He's got seven touchdowns. Uh, he's a fellow graduate of the John Carroll School in, in Bel Air, Maryland, like one host of this podcast right now. Uh, I think Not he's... Me. I think he's the first uh, FBS uh, prospect that my high school has put out in a, in a really, really long time, uh, which is pretty cool. But he's got 400-yard games this year. He had a big day against Northwestern, 24 carries, 179 yards, three touchdowns. Um, I think that he's someone that, that you're going to, to want to watch because Maryland has, a, has some interesting pieces on that offensive line. Uh, Jalen Duncan uh, is in the, the draft conversation um, in terms of being, you know, one of those more highly ranked offensive tackles, and uh, James Franklin highlighted Delmar Glaze um, as someone else that that he was watching when he goes through and and lists his uh, players to watch on the other team. And I was going through some PFF numbers, um, looking for an Olu Fashionu stat uh, or grade earlier this morning, and Delmar Glaze is number five uh, in the PFF rankings in pass blocking, um, and I think he's number fifty four uh, overall. Uh, graded among all offensive tackles so there's some interesting pieces up front um, and I think that Roman Hemby has been able to to make things happen behind that group this year all right let's go back to the quarterback spot we, we, <laughs> I mean this is this has been uh I mean this is 
a lot of people have called it kind of Maryland's best chance on a weekly basis, right? You, you got a, you got a Tyco Vailoa and his ability to, to air the ball out with these receivers. A few of them have been big names on the regional recruiting circuit, on the national recruiting circuit that stayed close to home and that put up splashy numbers. But as we've said, there have been moments where the turnovers have bit him in, in the butt. Happened last year, he threw a, a decisive pick six against Penn State. And then this team is coming off an effort in which they didn't score a touchdown until the final minute at Wisconsin last week. So it's been a roller coaster ride uh, with Maryland football and trying to monitor their offensive success during recent years with the same quarterback. Where are you at with 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 what they've got left in the tank and what they've got left to show? I mean, I, I don't think they can play as poorly as they did last week when it comes to the passing game. I mean, when you're two leading receivers combined for two catches for seven yards, uh, when when Tonga Vailoa, you know, seventy seven yards on twenty three attempts. Um, I, I don't think that that's, I think that's the anomaly. I think that's the outlier. Um, even with how Penn State's cornerbacks have played this year, even with the, uh, the pass rush coming on strong um, in recent weeks, I, I don't think Maryland will be a, as poor offensively as they were um, against Wisconsin last week. But, you know, looking through Maryland stats, the, the one thing that I thought was, was really interesting is that they've got six players with at least 20 catches this year. Um, which is some some pretty good balance. And uh, Dante Demas, who was a star last year before he got hurt, he's not one of those guys. He only has 14 catches for 153 yards this year. So, you know, Rakim Jarrett, Jacob Copeland, Jayshon Jones, um, they're all over 300 yards receiving. Uh, Corey Dykes, the tight end, uh, is tied with Jarrett for the lead with 376 receiving yards. Um, they've really spread it out. It's really been balanced. I think that coming into this year, especially when you look at the fact that Maryland lost, I think, six wide receivers in the transfer portal uh, last offseason, including a lot of veteran guys. I think that you thought that Rakim Jarrett was probably going to be a very high-volume receiver, um, but adding Jacob Copeland and having these tight ends, uh, James Franklin shouted out C.J. Dupree, uh, who's from Scranton. Uh, he also has 21 catches. Uh, there's a lot of options, and when, when Maryland puts all those guys out there on the field, the ball can go to anyone. You know, there's not really, you know, you key in on Rakim Jarrett and Jacob Copeland because of their talent. But when you look at kind of the, the flow of the game, this, the flow of the games this year, it's kind of hard to pick out that, that one go-to guy. There's, there's no like Jahan Dotson, like Penn state had last year where you're like, okay, this is the guy, this is where we start. So, you know, I'm interested to see that. Of course, going back to Tonga Vailoa, he's got to be able to get the ball to them. Uh, 14 touchdowns, six interceptions this year. Um, he's battled some injuries. Uh, he's, I think he's had a, a knee issue that that kept him out here and there. Um, so it'll be very curious to see how he rebounds from last week. I think Maryland will. Um, I like. I, I don't think they can play as bad as they did uh, at Wisconsin last week, again at Penn State uh, in a couple of days. Daniel has your full list of Maryland Terrapins to know uh, for this matchup up at Lions247.com. Let's test your change of direction now, Daniel, because you were back at the Bryce Jordan Center on Monday. Penn State tipped off its season with a 25-point victory. They will have bigger tests ahead, but this is our first look at a team that has new parts, made some early splashes from those new parts. What are your biggest takeaways before we pass the baton over to Tyler Calvaruso and talk recruiting for the rest of the show? It's going to be a fun team to watch this year. And I think the, the interesting part about that is that they know it too. Uh, you know, Micah Shrewsbury came out and said that with what they had last year in terms of talent and depth, they had to play slow. Uh, they were number 350 uh, out of, I think, 360 or 358 
uh, when it came to possessions per game last year. They played at such a slow pace, grinded teams out. Uh, and we saw the opposite of that uh, against Winthrop on Monday uh, in that 93-68 win. Uh, they hit a program record 18 three-pointers. Andrew Funk, the Bucknell, had six of them, uh, and he scored 22 points uh, in his debut. And, and after the game, uh, Jalen Pickett was, was asked about how they were playing, and, and he said that you know, they're going to play a more entertaining brand of basketball this year, um, which is something that I'd, I feel like you don't necessarily, when, when you hear players talk about offenses and they talk about changes, you know, they'll say like, oh, like we want to, we'll score more, we'll run more, we'll play more up-tempo. And the subtext is usually, yeah, we're going to be more entertaining. But he came out and said it, uh, which I think is, is pretty interesting. Um, I think that you know, they looked like they were having fun. Uh, Miles Dredd was four of six on three-pointers. Now, four of the freshmen made their debuts um, with Kev Ajay and Evan Mahaffey getting some early run. Um, I think that it's going to be an entertaining team. Uh, of course, it was Winthrop, who, which is a good program. And it's the first game of the year. There's a long way to go. Michigan State is going to be at the Bryce Jordan Center in a couple weeks, uh, which will be that you know, a really big test uh, for Penn State. And they do have some things that they got to get figured out. Um, Caleb Dorsey, who a six foot seven junior started at center or at the five, um, Kevin Jai came in, he's six foot 10. He's kind of the guy that you want to see, um, you know, be able to play in big 10 play. Uh, he had four fouls in, in 10 minutes. So there's going to, there's some kinks to work out. There's some things to smooth out over the course of this non-conference slate. But I mean, in terms of starting off the season on, on the right foot, being able to develop some excitement and kind of tease out what this team might look like moving forward. Um, I think Penn State, you know, they for to mix some metaphors, they they really did hit a home run uh, on on Monday night against Winthrop. Daniel Gallon and Mark Brennan were all over the coverage as Penn State's basketball season got started. There's photos, uh, there's a bunch of stories up, there's takeaways. Uh, that'll be the case after each of these games. And, and Daniel, we look forward to, to more basketball conversations here on the podcast. But we've got football practice to get to here in a few hours. I'll see you soon. See you, Tyler. We'll be right back on the Lions twenty four seven podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, let's shift gears over to recruiting, and we will keep it on the basketball program with Tyler Calvaruso before diving back into some football talk. How you doing, Tyler? Doing good, man. You know, today's the first day of the early signing period. we got a lot going on on the football front, so busy as always, man. I love it. Can't complain. Uh, we love it, too. And, and, of course, you mentioned the early signing period for college basketball going on this Wednesday. Uh, Penn State has sealed the deal with three prospects in that 2023 cycle, including a top 100 prospect with a familiar name. There's a couple familiar names in this class, actually. Uh, but let's start at the top and, and work our way down. Yeah, you know, when you talk about this class, you got to start with Kerry Booth, you know, first top 100 prospect under Micah Shrewsbury. And he fits the bill, man. He lives up to his ranking. Yeah, I know the Penn State staff loves him a lot. They love his versatility. They love what he can do on both ends of the floor. And, you know, Penn State went after a lot of guys hard this cycle. You know, they really put all of their effort into a lot of guys, but probably none of them more than Booth. You know, between him being a legacy and just his skill set and how he, the staff feels that he would fit in the Nittany Lions front court, he was their top guy pretty much from the start. And for the staff to go out and close on him, I think, says a lot. 
a lot of good relationships built there. And, you know, it's interesting because Booth said early in his recruitment that he really wasn't looking to go to Penn State because, you know, just given who Calvin Booth was and who he was as a player and his stature within, you know, the history of the program, he was kind of looking to carve his own path and, you know, write his own chapter of his college basketball career. But when it got down to the nitty-gritty of his recruitment, his relationship with the Penn State staff was the best. He saw how he would fit more in Happy Valley more than any other program. So this was just the perfect storm for Penn State and the perfect storm for Booth at the end of the day. So really high-quality get for the staff. There's definitely still some developing to do on his end, but he's a guy who's going to have a chance to earn big minutes pretty early. And uh, we know Shrewsbury has experience out in Indiana, part yeah. of that Purdue staff back in the day, and they tap into the, that state uh, with another addition for the backcourt. Yeah, a couple. You know, Logan Imes. Logan Imes, love him out of Zionsville. He's an interesting player because Zionsville plays a really tough schedule in Indiana, and he's battle-tested. You know, every single night pretty much, Imes is going to get up against some pretty solid competition. And he's the definition of a combo guard from what I've seen, you know, just based on his tape and on the AAU circuit. He can do a lot of different things. He handles well. He shoots the ball well. Really good distributor. High basketball IQ. And I know that Shrewsbury and company are looking for him to come on campus and, you know, fill that jack-of-all-trades role in the backcourt. And he has that in him. He's shown it against some pretty high-quality competition in high school and on the Adidas circuit as well. So another really quality get for Penn State. I think Ives is a guy who has a chance to kind of outplay his ranking when his career is all said and done. I think he's going to have a nice, have himself a nice long career in Happy Valley. And then you go over to the other familiar name. People know Booth. People are starting to get to know the name Shrewsbury. Um, and, and another one is going to be joining the program, Braden Shrewsbury, another guard in this class. Yeah, and Braden is, I guess you could call him the sharpshooter of this class. You know, I'm shoots the rock well, but, I mean, Shrewsbury is the definition of knockdown from what I've heard about him. And he's also developed nicely physically. He's during the summer, I believe he was around the 6'2", 170 range. It looks, like, it looks like he's added an inch or two maybe on his height. He's bulked up a little bit. He looks wider. So just really a developing talent and a talent who was going to be a high major player regardless of, you know, circumstance. It just so happens that, you know, being Penn State where his father is and playing in the Big Ten was what he felt was the best best opportunity for him. I know Xavier liked him a lot and Penn State was able to close here. So Shrewsbury might be the underrated part of this class. You know, I know he's on the lower end in the ranking spectrum right now. I think he has a chance to rise, but really quality player. And when Penn State's going to need a knockdown shooter at the end of games, it looks like he's going to be their guy. This three-man class right now ranked 24th overall across college basketball. It's following up a 2022 recruiting class that, as Daniel and, and Mark Brennan have talked about on this podcast, brings a lot of promise to campus. That group was a fringe top 25 group. You've covered high-level college basketball for several years now, Tyler. What do you think about what Penn State is doing in the ability to kind of follow up on another class and then maybe build off it with an improved win total this season? You know, I would say the ability to follow up a set, uh, follow up a first strong class because you know sometimes when a new staff comes in, you know, and you have the ability to sell your vision and you know lay out your plans for the future to recruits. A lot of guys buy into hope. And now as Shrewsbury and, you know, they went through their first season and they didn't have a winning record, but they played a lot of teams tough and they won some gritty games against high quality competition and recruits see that. So the, I'd say the ability to build off of a strong first class and, you know, parlay that into a second successful class is arguably the most important thing you could do as a coaching staff in your second year, just because you need to continue that influx of talent. It's nice to have a strong first group, but you know, what happens after that? 
and they, they've pulled off a really good haul this cycle, I would say. I believe it's the first time in program history they've had consecutive top 30 classes. And for a new staff to come in and have that level of success on the recruiting trail right away, it speaks to the relationships that this staff has been able to build over a pretty short period of time. You know, recruits always rave about Shrewsbury and just his personability and the personability of the staff. And But what I would say is the biggest thing with this group is just the way they lay things out for these kids on the visits. You know, you could sell facilities, you could sell campus, you could sell college towns, but at the end of the day, you got to be able to sell X's and O's and how you're going to fit on the court. And this staff has proven to be really good at that based on the feedback I've heard. So, you know, it's still early in the tenure, but I would say Shrewsbury has this thing really rolling in the right direction. And he, you know, you gotta give his assistant coaches credit as well. They're as big a part of this as anyone. Mark and Daniel will both be at the press conference uh, for Penn State basketball this afternoon about their early signing day, um, kind of giving uh, better details into what these guys may bring to the program. Uh, look for that coverage at lines247.com. Shifting gears a little bit before we jump back over to football, uh, forward focus in recruiting at all times. You didn't even wait for the signing period to come until you had your big board up, uh, breaking down some of the top names to know on Penn State's target board for the 2024 basketball recruiting cycle. Um, our VIP subscribers can check that out in its entire form up at lines247.com. But why don't you give us some spark notes on, on what Penn State has cooking in that next class? Yeah, so a bunch of guys have already been on campus for official visits or at the top of that board, and that's not a coincidence, obviously. You know, Peyton Marshall, big man from the South, he was on campus for his official recently. Royce Parham, he's an in-state kid. He's a legacy. He's been on campus for his official. I would say Penn State leads there at this point. I know Wisconsin's pushing pretty hard, but – Staff has done a really good job with Parham, and there's pull from that inner circle for him to stay home and be a Nittany Lion. So we'll see how that recruitment plays out. Jaleel Bethea from Archbishop Wood. I know he's someone the staff likes a lot. A lot of high major interest there, you know, from really all across the country. UCLA's a program pushing really hard, but Penn State's there. Sir Muhammad, you know, another former, son of a former NBA big man, Nazi Muhammad. He was on campus for his official. You know, he's more of a wing, potentially develop into a stretch four if he grows. He's a guy his staff likes a lot. We talk about Kerry Booth with his versatility. Muhammad's kind of in a similar ilk, although albeit he's a little bit shorter right now. He's more of a three than he is a four at this state in his career. And, you know, look, there's so many big men at the top of that 2024 board, I would say, right now. And that kind of speaks to what we just talked about with Shrewsbury and his, you know, his pedigree developing bigs at Purdue, just getting those guys in position to succeed at a high major level. There's a lot of quality guards on that board as well. You know, Deshaun Davis, point guard from the DMV. He was on campus in October, had a really good unofficial. Malachi Palmer's a guy who's a top 50 recruit, top 50 talent nationally. You know, he, he's been around. He's played national schedule. He's in Maryland now at Mount Zion Prep. He's a guy who might he's – he's a Harrisburg native, so he's a candidate to make it back to campus at some point soon. Just really a lot of good things going on for Penn State on the recruiting show right now. The 2024 board seems really deep. And it's not just deep with names. It's deep with the talent level as well. They're involved with a lot of guys who can really play and who, in my opinion, based on what I've seen, are surefire high major talent. So, like I said, they just got to keep that momentum rolling. Now they're going to see if they can parlay this into a strong third class. And if they continue to make strides on the court, you know, like Daniel said earlier, this is I think this is going to be a really fun team to watch this year. I think there's a lot going well for the Nittany Lions on the court right now. So as recruits see more of that, there's only going to be more interest. So Penn State got to love where they're at on the basketball front right now. I think it's really it's a promising future for sure. I know our Alliance 24-7 subscribers have been really excited about the coverage you've brought from a basketball recruiting perspective. I hope our listeners can kind of get a sense for that right now with this segment. But we'll go back to where our bread is buttered and talk about 
some college football recruiting with you, Tyler, right now. And, and what we're going to do here is a bit of a stock report, a uh, mix of cycles, not just all 23 or 24 guys, but some names that we've already talked about, some names that may be new to some of our listeners, uh, that Penn State it, it has training in the right direction. Before we start talking about those names, why don't you define what stock up is to you in this setting? So stock up really is just, it's kind of dictated by the intel, you know, as, as everything is in recruiting these days. You know, you hear positive buzz, you know, Penn State moving up a kid's list, Penn State getting a kid on campus for an official, whether it be an official or an unofficial visit. There are a lot of things that play play into the stock up, in my opinion. And just, you know, really, you go, it's just dictated by based on what we've been hearing. And, you know, fortunately for Penn State fans, I've been hearing a lot of positive things lately. So there's definitely a lot to talk about on the stock up front, I would say. Let's start with a committed 2023 recruit, Kavion Keys. He's a guy who visited Penn State back in the summer, chose a different school, but it's been an open-ended process, and you've got him on this list. Yeah, so we've talked about Keys, you know, probably as much as any 2023 prospect over the last couple months. He always, you know, he always enters the conversation somehow. And he was on campus for the whiteout game. And that went really well. And there was a lot of positive buzz coming out of that visit. So right now I would say Penn State is stock up for keys. Does that mean they're going to flip him in the end? You know, it's still, we got a whole nother month to figure that out. You know, he's, he's still committed to UNC. There, There's a lot of pull for him to play closer to home. And UNC provides him with the best opportunity to do that. There's also other programs in the running. You know, he, he was at Virginia, which is also obviously another local program for him. And, you know, A&M is there as well. Texas A&M is still in that race. So we'll see. I would say, I would say right now it's probably a UNC Penn State race, but there are definitely other factors. And, you know, until he backs off that commitment, you know, you, it is what it is. But I would say it's Penn State has put itself in a good spot there. And it has definitely moved up recently coming out of that whiteout visit specifically. Not a lot of seats left at the table in 2023, but there are some that need to be filled. And another name to know here is Georgia athlete Cameron Wallace. He's due on campus, and he's on this list as well. And I think I can understand it when a guy's got on a plane to see your team in person. Yeah, you know, <laughs> we talk about what stock up means. <laughs> Wallace is pretty much the definition of it at this point, if you really consider the way his recruitment has played out. So Wallace is – he was what I would call a late riser in this class. He didn't really get a lot of Power 5 interest until – probably the start of his senior season. I think he was on the radar a little bit before then, but once his, his early season senior tape started to get, you know, matriculate and get out there a little bit, he started to receive some power five offers and Penn state is one of them. So him getting up for his official, we're going to have to see how that goes. We're going to see where he falls on the board, you know, things of that nature, everything that plays into a kid's recruitment, but Wallace likes Penn state a lot. And, you know, him coming up for an official speaks to, you know, what the Nittany Lions might think of him. So We'll see what the intel dictates coming out of this weekend, but I'd say his interest in Penn State right now, pretty, pretty hot. And and it's also fair to say that as we sort through things on a Wednesday morning, this weekend not exactly looking like it's going to rise up to an Ohio State or the whiteout matchup against Minnesota kind of weekend. So Wallace is going to be really yeah. near the top, if not at the top of what we're following. Is that accurate? I would say so. You know, like you said, you know, the list is still coming together of who's going to be on campus and who isn't. You know, we'll have those names online 24-7 as they come in, as we do every home game. But, yeah, I would say it is definitely accurate to say Wallace is going to be one of the biggest names on campus this weekend. You know, an official is an official. You know, it's just a different kind of experience to what everyone else who visits is going to be going through. So, yeah, the staff's going to have his attention on him for sure. And this is one of those where you're doing a lot of intel if you're Penn State in a lot of different ways with this guy on campus for 48 hours. You talked about the late rising circumstances. You want to get a good feel for who he is. You want to get some good feel 
athletically, a personality. There's a lot to figure out here, uh, but this staff has done a nice job of kind of turning one long distance trip weekend into something they can hang their hat on on signing day. And, and, and we'll learn if this is a situation where they want to put two feet on that bandwagon and push for a commitment here, or, or if maybe it's not the right fit. Uh, we'll, we'll sort through that. And I know you'll be part of that coverage uh, coming out of the weekend. Uh, Maryland's a matchup this week. Maryland's always got to deal with in-state players on the other side of the football yeah. in this game against Penn State. Uh, a couple that you've got on your stock up report, both on the defensive side of the football, uh, and, and both of them are considered four stars in 24-7 sports composite, Jalen Harvey and also Dominic Nichols. Yeah, so I, Harvey, he, he was on campus three times in October, and we have crystal balls in for him to land with the Nittany Lions. Obviously, that's a recruitment that is still sorting itself out. There are other schools involved. You know, he's not necessarily in a rush to make any sort of announcement for anything. I, you know, I think if he is going to commit anytime soon, it would be more in the spring than it is the winter. But Penn State has done a lot of good things with Harvey, and this goes back to the summer, and it's something that we've touched on a little bit. He camped during the summer, and he had himself a hell of a day during the Big Man Challenge, and that really caught Penn State's attention. He tested well. He measured well, and then he goes out there and dominates. You know, it's kind of one of those light bulb moments for the staff. You're like, wow, this kid – He's got it, and the staff has recruited him as such. So there's a lot to like there. And then with Dom Nichols, we've had that crystal ball pick in for, I believe, since September, and all is still well on that front. Another situation where there are other schools involved, the recruitment's not over, nothing seems imminent, but Penn State has done a lot of good things. And you got to remember, I mean, Dom Nichols has done a lot. He's watched a lot of Nitty Lions football. When he showed up for his visit earlier this year, he showed up in a Saquon Barkley jersey. He, he loves Penn State. You know, they're really high on his list. So – Nittany Lions have to like where they're at there. I'll tell you what, if uh, Chop Robinson can go have himself a day on Saturday uh, against this Maryland squad, that would that would be a nice thing for Jalen Harvey to, oh, to be yeah. able to experience and see. Uh, not that he'll be here in the building, at least I don't believe he will be, but just generally watching, observing, seeing what seeing what a former teammate uh, and, and a close friend is accomplishing at Penn State after spending a year with the Terps. Uh, let's finish with a trip to Pittsburgh, shall we? We got a 2024 uh, name to know here, Peter Gonzalez. He's been on the radar for a while at wide receiver. There is a lot happening in the region at receiver. Tell us why Peter Gonzalez remains a name at the forefront and why you feel things are moving in the right direction for both sides of the party. So really, I mean, Gonzalez, you know, you talk about he's been on the radar for a while and he's been to campus just as much. I, I believe he's coming up on his next time he gets on campus. I believe it will be either his fifth or sixth visit, his sixth, fifth or sixth trip to Happy Valley. So, you know, that kind of speaks to where his interest lies. Before and, the end of your junior uh, season, yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot. You know, we talk a lot about Jalen Harvey now. He was on campus three times within a month. Gonzalez has been there almost as much. And we've touched on the 2024 wide receiver board a little bit and how – you know, it's fluid because there's a lot of names. You know, you got the Tyser Denmarks of the world. And there are a lot, there's a lot going, like you said, there's a lot going on in the region. And there's a lot going on outside of the region as well. And there are a lot of names coming through the staff. They're doing a lot of evaluating. And, you know, Gonzalez is liked. You know, his junior season tape is solid. And there's interest there on both sides. So we'll see where he shakes out when it's all said and done. But he's gone on record saying Penn State is his leader right now. Obviously, there's still, you know, plenty of time for that to change and plenty of time for other schools to get involved and kind of flip the script a little bit. But Penn State has really done all of the right things with him. And Gonzalez, he's another one who keep, he keeps a very watchful eye over the program. He loves watching the receivers. He loves Parker Washington, loves his game, sees some of himself in him. So there's definitely Gonzalez is going to be keeping a close eye on the Nittany Lions, and the Nittany Lions are going to keep, be keeping a close eye on him as his career progresses and as his recruitment progresses. Let's finish this stock report with a 2025 name to know. A little bit of a tease here at the end because it is always a forward focus with recruiting, as we said. Deshaun Burnett 
out at Pittsburgh's Amani Christian Academy, an emerging talent there in the 2025 cycle. He's a top 100 prospect in our early rankings for 24-7 sports among sophomores across the country. He's a top 10 linebacker. You wonder at this age, does he grow out of linebacker? But right now, to see him on a stock up report, that's a good indication early for the Nittany Lions. Definitely a good indication. You know, when I do these stock report things, either as an article or as we're doing right here, I kind of tend to stay away from like the really future guys, like 2025s, 2026s in this instance, just because there's so I don't many blame things. you. Yeah, yeah. there is just, man, <laughs> it goes without saying with the way recruiting is. There are so many things that could change. Is he a linebacker? Is he going to grow out of, you know, his frame and move to the defensive line? There's just so many factors that go into, you know, determining where a kid will end up at the end of the day. But based on what I've been hearing early with Burnett and emphasis on early again, Penn State's going to be hard to beat. You know, there's a lot of pull from the Nittany Lions, and he wants to stay home. There's a desire for him to play close to home, and Penn State gives him a pretty, pretty good opportunity to do that. And he's a top 100 kid, so the talent is evident. You know, that's not up for debate in this situation. Where he plays at the next level, we'll see how he grows and just as he develops. But he's a really athletic kid, so I, I just think he's a high-level talent in general, regardless of position. So Penn State, pretty good spot there early. We'll see what happens. But Nittany Lions have done a lot of good things. And Burnett's been really receptive to everything they've had to say to him. So a lot of pluses there in Penn State's favor. On campus in October, he's got a couple uh, local offers, like you can call them, Power 5 level, Pittsburgh and, and West Virginia as well. So uh, proximity to home, he's got some options on the table there early on, but a long way to go. We're going to see a Power 5 party, I think, form in, in the recruitment of, of Deshaun Burnett over the next couple of years. Tyler, are we missing anything? What do we need to know going forward this week in terms of your coverage? Uh, what do we need to be monitoring on the recruiting trail? I know that's a tough question because it changes day to day. Yeah, all, all, always a great question. Just be, you know, the fluidity of recruiting. And it's like I said before, we'll have we'll have some names, you know, coming in. Who's going to be there for the Maryland game? It's going to be another busy weekend. You know, even if it's not whiteout game or Ohio State level, still a lot for the staff to accomplish this weekend, especially with that Wallace official visit. You know, a lot going on in the region right now as well. Playoffs are starting on the high school football front, so we'll be keeping an eye on, you know, targets and the commits who are out there fighting for a state title. You know, for a lot of these guys, you know, their high school careers are winding down. This is their last crack at bringing home some hardware. So that's something that, you know, you always got to monitor, especially on the Penn State commit front. And we'll keep it rolling with the basketball coverage as well. You know, basketball season is here. The bottom, you know, we're going to be getting after it, whether that be recruiting or team content. So definitely a lot more to come on that front. And I'm looking forward to – diving more into basketball recruiting, just using my experience on a high major beat to, you know, kind of just keep that rolling and keep the people up there on what's going on on that front. He is Tyler Calvaruzzo. He does all things recruiting for us at lions247.com. If you're a VIP subscriber, you have been enjoying his content for several months now. Always like getting him back here on the podcast. We'll do it again soon. Tyler, talk to you soon. Always like being here, man. Thanks for having me. All right. Great stuff from Tyler and Daniel. As I said, daddy daycare this week with the little one homesick. It's huge to have the supporting cast with these guys. Uh, we've got a great group. Mark Brennan getting it done. We'll all be back on the practice field. Mark, myself and Daniel Wednesday to get a look at these Nittany Lions, the number 14th ranked Nittany Lions. See who's on the field, who's not on the field as we start to near kickoff 3.30 Saturday in Beaver Stadium against Maryland. We're back with another episode coming your way later in the day on Thursday. i give you our final thoughts, predictions on this matchup and dive a little bit deeper into the details on what Maryland is bringing to town. They won in Beaver Stadium in 2020. There was no crowd in Beaver Stadium in 2020. And overall, this is a series that the Nittany Lions have overwhelmingly dominated 
over the years. Uh, for now, stepping aside, I'm Tyler Donahue. Thanks to our cast of characters here. Uh, this has been the Lions 24-7 Podcast.